All right. Whenever you want to light this candle up, Cesar. Yes. Welcome, naughty boys and girls, back to another fucking goddamn episode of Third World Ballers. It yeah. is your host, Caesar and Josh. Not Greta, because that bitch has sailed. That bitch is out. Country. Uh, so it's just us tonight, and we are here to bring you the funnies before I exit the building <laughs> to my vacation across the country uh where, dude no one cares about your vacation dude where are you going me, not finished not finished where are you where going for a vacation again to barcelona barcelona do they talk like barcelona. that that's more of a, so. that's more of an italian yeah that's more of a that's more of a frankie country <laughs> frankie uh, are you, you already went to frankie land huh yeah i went to frankie land already <laughs> hopefully when i imagine going there and just calling everybody frankie still for the listeners imagine, who don't know what frankie land is it's Italia, Italy. It's our generic character for all Italian uh, culture, cuisine, uh, attitude. Even uh, he will be frequented very much throughout. Third world Frankie, followers. I'm surprised we don't drop the Frankie more often. We haven't talked about much Italian shit. I realize that. Not since the uh, Fredo uh, incident. Both in real life and on this podcast. <coughs> for, uh, for, yeah, I forgot about that. That's like the N-word for Italian people. Exactly. But I was referring to the incident when I thought that Fredo meant Alfredo, and that's why he got offended. Oh, but yeah. You uh, so rightly corrected me. <laughs> what did you think that? He was calling him Alfredo sauce or something? I thought he I meant Alfredo, Alfredo sauce. sauce. <laughs> <laughs> You're so dumb. You got cyberbullied. <laughs> I got so cyberbullied. <laughs> I cyberbullied you very hard. For the <laughs> listeners, we've been saying cyberbullying for a long time, and I wanted to introduce them this week to our friend, our beloved TikToker, um, somebody that we f- are very fond of, and we quote a lot. He goes by the name of Javelin Melody, and he is this great TikToker that is um, really underground right now because he's only on our scope. But we want to share What's his him- name again. <laughs> his name is Javelin Melody. <laughs> yes, sir. That is his, that is correct. Interesting. <laughs> Why is that interesting? <laughs> I'm just imagining like a guy throwing javelins in a very uh, very musical way. I guess I don't know. Okay, let's see if I can line these up. Guess what? I got uh, away. Okay. <laughs> so uh, this is a story about how he. <laughs> this is a, just a uh, story. You, wait, first I think you need to. I, I think. Go ahead. I was gonna say I think you need to explain what this dude is wearing to really <laughs> capture the essence. Oh, I wish of we had a video. Person. Yeah, so he's wearing these like motocross glasses that kind of go over to like as far as your temples go and sunglasses. cover your whole eyes. Yeah, sunglasses. <laughs> he's got a black. <laughs> A black spiral hat. Spiral the dragon. Spiral the dragon hat. Okay. Black with the purple stencil, if you will, of Spyro with a purple and neck. A purple V neck with some stripes. That's not the most that's not what my eye is drawn to the most. What's I mean, that's the hat that's not, itself, but the hat if, at least you know, at least he's got color coordination down. I will say that. And then it, on his spiral hat, it's which is also a fit uh snapback. You know, those are dated as fuck. Um has a purple and yellow ball um, ballpoint pens 
attached to them. So there's a little insight on what he's just he's working with. Um, so this is his story. It has to do with cyberbullying. So um, let's see. Let's take a listen. <laughs> the thumbs down. <laughs> I cyberbullied him, and guess what? At the job, I showed it everybody because I recorded him. I recorded him. I showed everybody. Everybody at the coworker knew about it, and everybody started laughing. I'm so cool. I cyberbullied my younger brother, and guess what? I got away with it. I didn't get fired. I didn't get written up. I'm still working there, and therefore I'm the coolest person because I cyberbullied him. I recorded him secretly, and I showed it everybody. I'm so cool. So uh, for the listeners, I'm sure, I mean, obviously, I'm sure our listeners know what the fuck TikTok is. It's a platform where you're, <laughs> you're supposed to make weird, funny videos. This man is putting these kind of videos on there. Interesting. Um, so that's the first cyberbullying introduction to him. Javelin Melody is his name. And then he followed up that video with another video that kind of turned what he just said on his head. I'm not really sure what's going on. Caesar, maybe you can help me understand what's happening. Uh, so let's take a listen at the next cyberbully incident. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm the uh, fourth older brother. Yeah, I knew about it. I knew about my fifth younger brother who cyberbully our sixth younger brother at the job. But uh, but of course, I didn't. You know, I didn't do anything about it. You know, I just I just let it happen because it's funny. Yeah, because I didn't I didn't report it. I didn't report it to the manager on duty because it's funny, you know. It's funny for you know to to cyber bully somebody at the job. Yeah, because it's funny. I didn't report. I mean, I knew about it, but you know, I didn't report it to the manager on duty because it's funny. Well, Caesar, I noticed you stepped out for a sec. Did you catch that first part? <laughs> I did not. I'm sorry. Wow. I had to step away for a second, but I'll play it again uh, for you. Hold on. I love it. I love listening yeah, to this man. Yeah, because... So, wow, two thumbs down in this thumbnail. So like I was saying, he kind of turns this cyberbullying event on its head. Well, he turns the other one that he just talked about. So there's this one. So listen in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm the uh, fourth older brother. Yeah, I knew about it. I knew about my fifth younger brother who cyberbullied our sixth younger brother at the job. <laughs> but uh, But of course, I didn't, you know... I didn't do anything about it, you know. I just, I just let it happen because it's funny, yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't report it. I didn't report it to the manager on duty because it's funny, you know. It's funny for you know to, to cyber bully somebody at the job, yeah. Because it's funny. I didn't report. I mean, I knew about it, but you know, I didn't report it to the manager on duty because it's funny. So, <laughs> oh my God, that is so incoherent. Yeah, what's going on there? What do you? <laughs> what is going? How many brothers? First off, does this man? Have? He got the he's the sit older brother. He's hell on. So the fifth older brother cyberbullying the sixth <laughs> younger brother. <laughs> That's but what wait, but his literally the video before that on his timeline. He's the first oldest, I guess. I don't know. But the video before that on his timeline is his. I cyberbullied him. And guess what? I got away with it. It's that video. So then he follows that up with, oh, yeah. Yeah, I knew about cyberbully. So <laughs> I, I, it's puzzled me about his 
timeline of videos that he's posting and what's really happening. You know, he doesn't have he has four likes in this whole video, so he's really underground. I don't know how I came across this dude, but shout yeah, out to Jeff. Did you? You just ha- stumbled upon him. It seems <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah. I guess, dude. That's what TikTok is, right? You stumble across shit. Scrolling through TikTok and then dude, my TikTok feed is hella melody. weird. My TikTok feed, I do not like. There's like weird like amputees going on on in there and some like weirdly i don't know people in wheelchairs and stuff I'm like where where did it get that as my interests it's just like percolating for you on your feed i guess i guess interesting this is weird this guy's uh, this video i'm looking at right now is this dude pouring what the fuck this guy is pouring He's pouring. I'm gonna like it. This is why my feet's fucked up. He's pouring Coke, as in Coca Cola, into little Ziploc baggies, and he's wrapping them up like Coke bags. <laughs> and there's a stack of cash on this table. Jesus Christ! TikTok for you, dude. You know TikTok is owned by like some Chinese company. Really? Yeah. One day they're gonna own us all. I, I mean, they already are. They're clogging our feeds with weird fucked up shit to just get dirt on us. They're the jet free Epstein's of social media because they're just collecting dirt on people. Because remember when I was was telling you this, like if you scroll on there, there's just these like ambiguously aged women on there. And you're like, is this okay to be looking at what's going on here? Like, what the fuck is this? I don't like it. I'm not a fan. Yeah. See, that's why I don't fuck with that. It's just like, that's too weird. That's you're crossing the line into some weird territory but it's like where... this this is, this is like a smash like this is a hit app right now i mean you got javelin on here god bless him yeah four likes javelin melody <laughs> you know what just to close out with javelin we can get out of tiktok i just want to talk about one more thing javelin has to say uh not only does he does he know about cyberbullying, he uh has some some life advice that i think is worth sharing so if you're down, I can play another one and we can wrap it up with him. Do the, yeah, do the advice. <laughs> okay. So this is a life advice from Javelin Melody. World advice, really. Ladies and gentlemen, I just, I'm so, I'm just so sick and tired of it. Like, there's so many people in this world who don't deserve to get married because <laughs> They don't fucking deserve to get married. They don't deserve to fucking start a family. They don't deserve to raise any human being. They don't deserve to take care of any human being but themselves. Don't get married. Don't adopt a child. Just shut the fuck up and just stay single. Don't fucking get married. The only human being you should take care of is yourself because you suck. You're terrible. You're such a fucking disappointment. Damn. I don't know why some people get married when they can't even do it. <laughs> I love that all of his thumbnails include the thumbs down. The thumbs down. Some of them start with the thumbs up when it's worth when it's a good positive thing. We'll get into him next uh-huh. week. You know what's funny? Uh, Jawal sent me the video uh, today on Instagram, and he said it's the one year anniversary of uh, I baked you a pie, which was actually one of our most most well received 
episodes at least highly played on the soundcloud Def- yeah definitely. which is strange so maybe we should just there there there's something to tiktok dude china's I listening mean, that was in at, like the height of when it was starting to get very popular and weird yeah. because people were finding these weird videos on there of people just there was like the bidet uh, why do good girls like bad guys and it was like like the guy who had like a knife and his head was shaved all weird tiktok dude it's a weird cesspool Again, of people i told you that story about when <clears throat> i took a, a picture of myself in a very like emo position and you know had my hair down um and it was wet so it just like looked like one big like spike that's hot know? And it's making like just like a dark face or whatever. Oh, yeah. And uh, I put bad. it up on I put it up on Instagram and I put that quote under it of why do good girls uh, love bad guys? And yeah. um I just like you know, it was it was funny. Just put it out there. And okay. some guy texted me texted sincerely you? or messaged me, I'm sorry, on Instagram sincerely and was like, to that picture specifically <laughs> And he was like, yeah, dude, I've always wondered that myself, was this, per- <laughs> was this person one of your brothers, perhaps? No. It, it sounds like... Oh, okay. I, that would be hilarious if it was one of my brothers. Uh, it sounds like I something they'd say. have no problem with this, talking about Dude, that. I don't know, man. <laughs> I have the same problem. What'd you reply yeah, to him? <laughs> getting that message, I was like... Dude, it was a joke. What'd like, you reply to him? Really oh, you told I him that? I feel that way. Yeah, I was like, dude, I'm... Did you take that photo down? I'd love to see that. I know. I kept it up. It's there. It's on your Insta? I'll, I'll send it to you. Please. It was on my story. Uh, but that's what was so <laughs> funny somewhere. about it. He just, like, saw that flipping through his stories, read the quote specifically, and felt sincerely about it enough that he had a message me that he's felt that way throughout his life dude i just struggle love bad guys yeah i think i heard that sometime hey but it's true man you can't tell me it's not true good girls lie bad guys i don't know where i went low with that but honestly i think the better song for our age is uh i gotta have high high hopes for the living uh Gotta have high, high hopes for the million. High, high hope for a living. <laughs> Gotta have is that Panic at the Disco? It is, apparently. Apparently. I thought that was Fall Out Boy. It sounded to me. Give like it up it for was. the Fall Out Boys. But this is the new Pete Buttigieg dance. This is the Pete Buttigieg been, anthem. The anthem that has been percolating. So do you think that um, he had a say in the song that he chose to be his themes his his fight song if you will i don't know i feel like that's just like <laughs> the song that was chosen for him because they thought that it would it would be a good anthem oh my register god to people that song's such a new beta song. ass song it just as beta so, as i said earlier blaring You're beta bla- blaringly bad <gasps> just like in your face um I can't imagine listening to that song in any sane environment to be. And then you got to dance to it. So they're doing that coordinated Buttigieg dance. Yes. And it's very strange the way that it's coordinated, very robotic, uh, animatronic, if you will. Like, (laughs) and to this song of all things, which it, it like just encapsulates his entire persona and what he wants to be which is that one in a million guy you know but achieving to the level <laughs> you think of, that song is what's is, 
<laughs> was trying oh, to be. I think that's what the campaign is thinking. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, this is how we're gonna get. This is how we're gonna reach him. We're gonna, you know, like <laughs> he's the new Joe Biden, ready to roll out. He's the new um, Joe Biden. But he's just been. He seems like he's been fucking up a lot lately <clears throat> in some weird ways. Uh, seems like they've all like, been fucking up in some weird ways. But him specifically, because I feel like ever since. Because like Kamala and Booker, they've all like pretty much dropped off. Like they're they're not going to survive the next round. It's it's already been. Cory Booker is still in it to the end. <laughs> Cory Booker. Cory Booker. Uh, <laughs> he refers to himself in third person. My boo is going to see me through. Um, yeah, he's they, dating yeah, Rosario Dawson. That's they, strange. Because and even Yang, they've all fallen off. Honestly, Yang, Yang, baby. Yeah, you uh, you sent me that uh, article about the people that were following or supporting, rather donated to uh, the candidates and Yang. The other like those candidates had. I mean, actually, now that you say that, surprisingly, Kamala had the most celebrity, celebrity. endorsements out of all of them, which is which really weird. Volumes to the just uh, sort of inadequate. How old is that article? Uh, campaign that they fucking have that just came out, I believe. Really, I think you're right, actually. Um, but it just like the inadequacy, the and seventh vagueness of the Kamala campaign encompasses the celebrity endorsements pretty much. Like everybody who is endorsed her, it's just like, what the hell is your stance to gain from her of all people? I mean, I celebrities don't need have any gain to get really. Like the no, people that are supporting I mean, her, like they could don't give a shit no matter no matter who's in office. They just like she's cool. I can have a conversation with her. She gets it. <laughs> She seems like a cool person. She's from California, so she knows how I want to live. How I want to live in the hills. I mean, the people that were supporting her, the one that I found was most interesting was uh, Quincy Jones. But then again, Quincy Jones is really old. Um, so I don't think he even knows what the hell's going on. Because mm. I think he would probably be more aligned with like a Bernie, for sure. Uh-huh. Um who else? Elizabeth Banks. Not kind of not surprising. Although I could have seen her as more of a Klobuchar kind of gal. <laughs> and Anthony Anderson. Uh, Mindy Cowling, though, for Kamala Harris. Like a lot of these people seem. Their names sound alike. Too. That's why she said she said it. Now Pete Buttigieg. True. That, that, mean, that was the one that I found most interesting in terms of people who are. Supporting this guy financially. Anthony Anderson, like, I don't know. <laughs> There's a, like a lot of these people that I'm just like, even freaking Wanda Sykes for Kamala Harris. Sorry, I'm just on the Kamala Harris thing. It's just like. She has a lot. Yeah, no, I get it. How many celebrities are really into her? And she is polling at like 9%. What do you think it is they see in her, truly? That she see Honestly, I think a lot of it is identity politics. The fact mm-hmm. that. She is a woman of color and that she stands to gain a lot from, you know, the sort of Obama era and also the the policies that she stood by in her tenure throughout California, you know, as being Mm -hmm. the the chief, basically, you know, the the fucking authoritarian, basically, the person who is your principal at school. Celebrities like that, though? Oh, I think a lot of people do in the end because they they see something in her that's not only like very civil like she can go on stage and 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 appease a certain crowd because she has like a certain um 
proximity to culture in mm-hmm. a sense, you know, because the fact that she is a woman of color, like True. she even uses that when she went into, uh, she was giving like a, a, a barbecue playlist video or some shit. She what? was doing a video for that where she was giving her top playlist songs that she would have for a barbecue. And she was like talking about a tribe called quest and, well, like, oh, I would play Tribe Called Quest, you know, specifically. And she's like, you know what I mean, Fife Dog? <laughs> she goes to the camera and... She said that? People, she did not say that. She literally said and The Fife Dog part? Yes. And there's a lot of speculation <laughs> as to whether she doesn't fuck? know that this guy passed or she just like <laughs> is just like so oblivious to it that she's just using it to Ugh. like, you know, to placate to, certain, to a certain crowd. That's strange. Um, so I mean, it, it, it. I do see why people are are interested in her. You know, another you're so, you know you're aligning the people. You're the aligning the kind of like beliefs and I guess like you said identity that the people who are funding Kamala has with her. I mean, now that I'm looking at it the list, sense. the top five of people that I got for each of them kind of makes sense. Like Cory Booker, you have like people like Ben Affleck who are supporting him. Kind of just like I guess that like strong like shoulders i guess that's why he's drawn to cory booker he's a man he talks low <laughs> he identifies with I his love my stance. neck brother yeah he's dating a celebrity i get that i get the ben affleck support there now it's when we get to pete Buttigieg that i have even steve AM the most confusing cory booker that's why they're the, the strong man you know like that's so funny yeah the alpha males yeah so when we get to pete Buttigieg, though that's where i have the most questions because you yes. have a lot of out of all of these people that were on this LA Times article, he out of all of them, he has the most comedians or comedic actors that are supporting him. What the fuck? Why him? <clears throat> it is yeah, it's very strange. There's Larry David, for instance, uh, who's given twenty eight hundred dollars to this guy's campaign. Um, everyone's favorite comedian, Ellen DeGeneres, who's also given twenty. Seth MacFarlane gave fifty six hundred. Like what the fuck? That's so insane. Much. Why did failing campaign? Why did he give him so much money? Jane Lynch twenty five hundred. Uh, Ryan Reynolds two fifty. See, uh, like, what's with all the comedic? Like, not too much. Uh, what's her name from Arrested Development? Portia de Rossi, Rossi twenty eight hundred as well. Strange. I mean, it's just it makes a lot of sense when you see those specific people involved in it with the Why? judge. How does that make sense to you? Well. Okay, he is a white man, gay. white gay man. He's gay, and a lot of. Seriously? Yeah, I didn't know he's. You didn't know that, dude. I I do not keep up with the Pete Buttigieg to the slightest, other than just his song. I did not know he's gay. Right. I'm sorry. You don't have to apologize. You're I blowing mean, my mind. That's it makes yeah. it's starting to make a little bit more sense now, actually. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that, I think that's like the main part. It's like he's a white gay man. Oh, like wow. I didn't know that. to a lot of like centrist politics that these people are interested in. Right. But also, see, okay, so now that I mentioned that, which is wow. because the um, that makes LGBT a shit ton of consent. Makes a ton of sense, right? Yeah. Right. Well, apparently, this guy has a huge problem with like the african-american voter base because uh-huh. he uh the he's a mayor of this town yeah that basically had like a an officer gun down uh african-american 
I think he was a teen or something. I don't know. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> this was during the campaign. So when he went back there, he had a conversation with, uh, you know, one of these protesters who was telling him, like, how can you come back here and ask us to, like, you know, ha- basically demand our vote and expect us to vote for you when we have, like, our own people dying in the streets? Mm-hmm. And not to mention, earlier before when he was mayor, he basically fired the first black uh, police chief of that town. Yeah, I knew his political policies office. and the way he was... Because ha- I, I didn't know that he was a mayor. I just don't remember what, where exactly. Oh, it's a very small town. He yeah. 8,000 votes. But I knew there was a lot of controversy behind his run as mayor there. Totally. And he, he told this woman who was like, how do you expect us to vote for you after all this? And he was like, I'm not asking you to vote for me. Basically telling I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, <laughs> you know... Like, I'm expecting you to vote for me. And it was just like this sort of weird demand that he expects from the African-American community. And Mm. uh, there was this really interesting report that was on The Intercept by Ryan Grimm that was talking about his, like, Douglas plan that he just released that was supposed to be... uh, That was supposed to attract the African-American voter base to come out for him. Uh-huh. And it was designed to attack certain things like um, the criminal justice system, wage inequality, things like that. But it also had like sort of key parts of like the Kamala Harris plan that was like going to uh, give you uh, loans or like help you with your your student loans if you can start a business in affluent neighborhoods or something, and then like employ hmm. a certain number That's of weird. people. So it's yeah, it's like a really weird like tangential sort of circumstance that you have to work towards, you know, like yeah. just continually moving the goalpost to you can get to where they want you to be. Mm. But um, anyway, he released this plan with this idea that 400 uh, or so African-American people in the South Carolina area were in support of uh, this Douglas plan that came out, named after Frederick Douglass, the you know very famous anti-slavery uh, Af- African American that was alive during the the slave era and stuff, and he basically <laughs> used certain centrifugal people that were uh, key in the African American communities, like intellectuals, mm-hmm. and posted them in this email chain indicating that they supported this plan, they endorsed Pete Buttigieg, and that this is why you should come out to vote for him, basically. Mm -hmm. And it was just like this really weird uh, email that was sent out. And basically, the three people that were named in it as like the key members all were like, yeah, they never asked me if they could do that. They never <laughs> indicated that they were going to use my name in that way. Right. Uh, one one guy even indicated that he had officially endorsed Bernie Sanders, and he had thought he made it clear to the, to the press correspondent that was talking to him from the Buttigieg campaign that he was for Bernie. And this guy was like, okay, but uh, this So you're with Pete, right? Yeah. He yeah, said yeah. Pete. It's like you support this plan, so you you like Pete, right? And so they just use these people's names without their consent to endorse him and this plan and make it official to make it seem like you know they had the African American vote. And not only that, when you looked further into the names that they listed on the four hundred or so African Americans who were endorsed on this letter of endorsement, 
they found that like almost 200 of these names were linked to uh, white people because on their voter registration uh, in South Carolina, apparently still have some like really weird Jim Crow era legislation where you have to list your uh, racial identity on your voter registration form. And so a lot of these names that were linked to voter registration forms turned out to be registered to white voters and and not African Americans. And they were just putting random names on it. And even some names linked up to people who weren't even living in the United States. They were living in Brazil. Jesus Christ, this is an involved campaign (laughs) for something that people clearly blew holes through right away, it seems like. Or just was people yeah. were not receptive to it at all. To go the lengths of pulling people's names from Brazil just so you can have this list of people of color that support this one plan you're trying to do? <laughs> Stupid. This one plan. And for this one guy. And like a lot of these people were saying, like, if you're going to make a plan that involves African Americans, then you need to talk to African Americans. You can't just come out with a plan that expects everybody to get on board when and just have a list of names and be like, like look at these guys support it don't you support them and exactly. your fellow brethren supported you should follow in line you know yeah. it's like in the end it turns out he's a fucking phony and <laughs> if anything maybe a fucking real cia operative like using planting names in a sort of endorsement letter like that yeah. that seems very cia-ish to me he might be dude he very well might be. But I think that he he's knows, just... I don't think he's even really gay. Really funny. I don't think he was... I, I mean, I don't think that he has any shot of becoming president. I don't think that... Any, oh, sorry. I forgot about... I was going to mention something about that. Um, okay. They were in a research memo that they released at the Buttigieg campaign. Apparently, they released this memo to the press so yeah. that the press could leak it for them in tangential with them so that it would like look good for them. Um, it was a research memo involving the fact that supposedly African-Americans weren't willing to vote for Pete Buttigieg because there is like rampant homophobia within uh, the African-American community. And that's the reason why there was like lackluster, uh, you know, appeal to him or something, which this is what they like, wanted to have leaked. They leaked a, a research memo of this because yeah, apparently yeah, yeah. the campaign hired some folks to like gather with individuals in South Carolina and meet with them and ask why they weren't interested in Pete. And they <laughs> used that information to throw out these like stereotypes and make it seem like, oh, it's their fault that they don't want to vote for Pete. It's not that Pete, you know, it's them. Yeah, yeah. They're the bigots. Pete has the answers. They don't know. Exactly. Wouldn't exactly. need to change their minds because Pete's the one to do it. It was really interesting, and then they backed, they backpedaled on that afterwards when it came apparent that they had leaked their own information to the press. To make <laughs> so it's it not a leak; it's a press release. Exactly, but they made it <laughs> seem like it was leaked because they never copped to it, and also now they're backpedaling on it, saying that like, <sighs> oh, we never intended that. You know, this was the sole reason that. Uh, black voters weren't willing to get on the Pete Buttigieg campaign or like get, <laughs> get on his trail. Like this, is, we weren't saying that this was the sole reason. And it's like, yeah, you were. You leaked it for that reason. You put it out there. Well, it sounds like they had some As high, research. high hopes for a living. And you know what? They were shooting for the stars when they couldn't make a killing. And it sounds like Pete's media team didn't have a high, didn't have high, high hopes. 
um, they had to have high hopes for a living and they didn't know how, but they always had a feeling that they were going to be one in a million and they always had high, high hopes during this little fiasco. Wow. I'm looking, I'm reading the lyrics now and it kind of makes sense why this is the song for him. And, uh, what's his name? The singer, Brandon Yuri is also, uh, I think bisexual, so it kind of makes sense why he's choosing Panic at the Disco. Now, ever since he's cracked the code of his his sexual preference, has ever lots falling into place in terms of his like interests, I guess, or what he's choosing. I, mean, I don't as think his, like, that matters so much as his shit policies. No, it doesn't. I'm not saying it matters. I'm saying it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> please, please don't contest. Don't think that I, the Panic at the Disco song is my sway on my vote for the guy. It's, yeah, just, it's just making more sense why he's, he's why chosen. Why he would think that's a good idea. Yeah, and I'm reading the lyrics right now. Mama said, fulfill the prophecy, be something greater, go make a legacy, manifest destiny. Back in the days, we wanted everything, wanted everything. Mama said, burn your biographies, rewrite your history, light up your wildest dreams, museum victories every day. We wanted everything, we wanted everything. That sounds like a presidential speech already. Or some shit that they would say during their campaign run. That is true. Yuck. That is high, high hopes. Yuck. Okay. He makes me sick. I feel sick. Fucking gonna throw up. I think it's just that the part that baffles me about him is that he's got so many people bamboozled on the, into <laughs> thinking that he could actually do it. Like, the fact that he's appealing to the <laughs> bamboozled crowd in a, a good way word that's for it. making him look like... <laughs> I'm going to be the new Biden. Who wants that now in this age, in 2019? Who's looking at the field and being like, I want a younger Biden? <laughs> has he, has he like gone out and has his team gone out and said he's the younger Biden? Like, are they running on that in any way? I think that because I mean, B- Biden's running, so why would they want to put more thought? Because it's of, like, well, it's like younger, <clears throat> better. You know, more but same values, kind of same values, same more, more, yeah. same ideology. It's like I won't steer too far. I will be exactly like him in his uh, ideology and 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 just ineptitude. Right. But I'm also different. You know, <laughs> I'm gay. He's biting yeah. gay. <laughs> no, he's not. Exactly. <laughs> um. So it's it'll be weird to see him in these next debates too, because it's just like he's such a joke. Whereas <laughs> Bernie's been getting like so many endorsements left and right from like really cool organizations, uh, like the California Dems, for instance, the Nurses Union, uh, the LA Teachers uh, Union, I believe as well. Like a, a of course, lot of man. Different he was just here in LA. Yeah, that is true. He was here in Fresno, actually, uh, talking Green New Deal. Nice. Uh, I wasn't able to see him, unfortunately. But Same. My dad's busy, you know. He's busy on the trail. Poppy's busy. Busy. Poppy burning. But yeah, he's like, he's getting, he just crossed the threshold of 4 million individual donations. Uh, most of those stemming from employers such as fucking Walmart and Amazon. And oh yeah, of course. Oh, oh, most of these people having the occupation of of teachers. That's like that's incredible that there's a coalition and grassroots movement of these individual donors who are in these occupations who understand 
the the need to create something and the longevity and who are the real people of america the real workers and backbone of the country like the people that it matters that you want to appeal to and that are actually going to like strive to improve the country and not keep it in this like stagnant state everything's fine kind of but we can keep going those are the people who are like no shit's not fucking fine i shit's everything's too expensive i'm not getting paid enough my fucking health care is all over the place like bernie's appealing to all that in a really genuine way so exactly i'm it, literally one check away from being on the streets if anything yeah exactly and that's that's most of america like that is desperate living and that is not high high hopes for the living (laughs) no and it's funny because we've talked about like why bernie doesn't go out and do these dumb little stunts with like stupid little trendy top 40 hit songs and because he doesn't fucking need to he's out here draining threes you see that video of him shooting bucket yeah dude hell yeah he just everything he does comes off you know authentic and genuine. not f- genuine and not fabricated and like he doesn't have he doesn't need to be concerned with like doing something to appeal to a new young demographic like he does not give a fuck who he's appealing to he just wants like legitimate change in the country and people see that they yeah. see that and they're drawn they're drawn to, to it yeah they're appealed by it like i don't the fact that so many people can willingly ignore all of that um sort of commitment and movement to this person like throughout the polling data that comes out right they'll show like for instance in iowa that pete Buttigieg has the lead like a surmountable lead you know almost a a two-digit difference compared to everybody else and when you look at the data (laughs) further you'll notice that the people who are stuck to burning in a way, like the people who are cemented in that when they go to the polls, they are voting for Bernie is out of like, it's, it's incredibly more than the people who are voting for a Buttigieg or Biden. Mm. Those people are so uncertain about those candidates that they could flip flop at any time. Whereas Bernie, it's just like, like once you're Bernie, you're always Bernie pretty much. Exactly. Once you go Bernie, you don't go back. Every poll, he's like 50% or higher in terms of the voters who are willingly coming out there and saying they will vote Bernie, whereas all of the other candidates are polling at 30 or below in terms of, uh, I think I'll vote for him. He seems interesting right now. So it's like you got to really look at the folks who are going to be stimulated by the fact that they aren't usually coming out to vote in these prime elections and now is the time to get them moving yeah it seems like you're, you're gonna have a lot more voter involvement this this uh election season i mean if bernie does make because if bernie doesn't win the primary then i probably won't vote again for anybody because <laughs> like i don't want to support anybody all these other people like that's how it is like i mean it really it, it really does feel like a sort of bernie or bust I mean, that's from the way it looks right now, at least with the candidates we have to choose from, in my opinion, that's, that's how I feel. It ain't no joke. It ain't no joke. As Rakim said. Um, and it really does come down to the fact that like, do you really want change? Like, do you, do you want big structural change as Warren will come and say, or Biden's half mayoed ass fucking plans that he forgets on the way to saying them or <laughs> Pete Buttigieg's fucking CIA indoctrinated 
plans, no. You want something authentic and working class and something that appeals to everybody in yes. a way that will make your life better. 100%. And with that mention of the CIA, I think now is a fitting time to dive into our favorite Black Ops, Black Ops uh, operative. Dun, dun, dun. I really got to make some Jack Ryan theme music, but now is really the time. So what's a recap of last episode? I already, I, I forget already. This is all boring. The show, <laughs> they all blend as one. Ep- <laughs> They're all fucking one episode. <laughs> what did happen so, last episode? Okay. So last episode. <laughs> Okay, Go ahead. What did happen? Oh yeah, last episode. <laughs> I can uh, pull up my notes if I really need to. So Jack Ryan gets back to the embassy. He just got out of a assassination attempt that involved Jack and Hagar from the Game of Thrones series, and he gets he, he almost gets embassy, assassinated yet in the last episode. Well, yeah, almost. But he's arriving at the embassy with the body of Senator Moreno, who just got assassinated, um, and. They are in Venezuela. We should probably mention that. That's like they, pivotal to yeah. the show. Venezuela, Venezuela. Uh, communist Russian influence Venezuela. And the game plan now is that Jack Ryan is part of the USMC. And they are involved in targeting Nicholas Reyes. Uh, so basically, he thinks that Nicholas Reyes has... In, has hired someone to assassinate <laughs> Senator Moreno. And he's sure on it. And he gets some audio involving. Uh, so let's re- okay. Hold, he he bugs. They get they bug Ubari. I'm He's just going dur- over the general scope of okay. it. We don't need to get details. You no, no, I, you're guys. getting you're getting details. I'm trying to move no, I'm, it all. I'm trying to code over it. Okay, well, speed it up a little bit so we can get into this. Week. <laughs> that was last week, dude. We're in season th- episode three, dog. Basically, Ubari's uh, jealous of Nicholas Reyes. Uh, Jack Ryan is involved mm. with uh, someone named Link Klein, Nomi Rapis, and oh, and also what's her name, Helen, or something. Uh, yeah. yeah. What's her name? I think her name is Helen. Helen. In the show, you're talking about, yeah, I think it's Helen. Let's okay, just say she Helen. is like a double assassin who's from Germany. Jack and Hagar is part of her. Harry uh, Greer might be or is a figment of Jack's imagination. We aren't. We sure don't yet. know yet. Um, they almost get assassinated in this last episode because they're on the hunt. Uh, and that's basically where we end where Jack Ryan almost gets assassinated. We're introduced to a, we're introduced to a small militia that's about to a Jack Ryan in this week's episode. And we and then the ending confronts, uh, uh, what's her name? Whatever her name is. Harriet. Harriet. There we go. Harriet. Uh, Harriet Tubman, he confronts her and basically <laughs> tells her that he knows who she is and why she's there, and it ends with that very abruptly. Uh, As so does every scene in this show. to episode three. Enter episode three. Jack Wright, episode three. Dun, dun. So, so yeah. So we open with Bishop, who we talked about last episode, who kind of part of that little militia crew sort of non-context uh, scene that we thought was like very strange and abrupt. Apparently they've probably been part of the show before it seems. We learn if you're, if whoever listeners have seen the show, they are part of season one. We learned that when we then, when Jack Ryan and Greer encounter them later in this episode, but it opens with Bishop kissing his dad's ring, getting a nice little pep talk by Matisse. Who's uh, you ready to go kill some shit. 
who basically goes to what he tells the him. hangar that the, he was prompted into going to. Mission accepted. Um, yeah, mission accepted, which was really I just thought like he might as well they might as well have ended the last episode with him doing that rather than beginning this one with it. Um all the because we already knew what was going to happen, you know. We already mm. knew he was going to do that. Yeah. But the context that they did put in with that, like I was telling you, was really interesting because right when he gets there, Matisse has to make himself known as being like the new boss and chief uh, by indicating, like, "Oh, you got, what's that bling you're wearing around your neck?" And Bishop indicates that. <laughs> Does like, he actually oh, say bling? He says bling. I laughed. <laughs> I remember laughing specifically because he said that. <laughs> okay. And I was like, so this is how it's going to be. Okay, interesting. <laughs> uh, and then he goes on to say, Bishop says, oh, it's my father's ring. You know, I just wear it. It's for good luck or whatever. Yeah. And Matisse tells him, well, you know, you better be prepared to knock a fool out if you need to, if you need to use that, you know, if you get in a tight situation. Right. And Bishop looks at him like, oh, okay. You know, that's a weird thing to say to me uh, after years of not seeing each other. So he tells him to get on the plane. He gets on the plane. He meets his, you know, I guess partners in the Death Squad that they're going to he meet. Mean, yeah, uh, Death, uh, Disco and Coyote. Disco and Coyote, and they ask him, "Well, you know, what's your code name or whatever?" And he tells them Black Mamba, and they're like, "Oh, Black Mamba, that's interesting." Like from Kill Bill. And he's <laughs> like, "No, like Kobe." And that's when they immediately are like, nah, dude, that's not going to be your name, Black Mama. No, <laughs> You're not, not going to be the coolest person of color on this ship. And like the geniuses they are, they work their way from the fact that this guy works on boats to the fact that he drives boats to the fact that he's a driver. Therefore, he should be called Uber. And he will be <laughs> named Uber throughout this episode from now on. Codename Uber. Codename Uber. Um. And then there was some more interesting stuff, I thought, within that segment itself where it almost seemed like – like it was weird because the dynamic that they were showing almost made it seem like what did you leave your life for? You know, Because you're putting yourself genuinely in a position where you're going to a foreign country. You barely know Spanish. Like he said, he's rusty on it. He is back in a position where he's kind of like a grunt and he's taking orders from a superior, much like the way he was taking orders from these rich assholes when he was fixing boats. Mm. And he's going to this other fucking country where already his partners are de- are demeaning him. They won't even <laughs> let him use his own name. Like, what are you going into that is so much better than your own life. This it's seems like, like much more of a strain than his normal life would have been. <laughs> absolutely. And much more <laughs> demanding of him to forget who he is. So, like, you're just a maggot to me, and you're made for combat. You're made for, you're trained for just this motion, this force. See, no, motion. this is more just of a testament to how badly and poorly the show has been written and how much we've talked about it. Because it's just like to give this parallel of like, or this juxtaposition of him living with his grandmother you know, servicing boats, having this modest living, to then, and then apparently being the grunt of the boat living world. And then cut to him where, yeah, he's basically doing the same thing, but in more extreme conditions. Like, if they wanted to paint it, if the show wanted to paint it out to be, have a more exciting life of him living this military life, then they should have made his actual life way shittier than what it was, because it looked pretty fucking exactly. chill. Like, the it fuck? was chill. 
Like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind fucking maintaining boats while. Who cares if some fucking assholes yelling at me? Like now I have this asshole with a gun yelling at me. The fuck? You have, you have everything for you at that point. Yeah, like <laughs> literally out of the military. It's almost like that's the reason why these these opportunities exist for you that they keep telling you exist. Right. So it's like why. Are, it, it, that's another question to be explained in, on another episode of like why these folks aren't moving towards these opportunities, um, and that could be you know deemed by their economic, uh, by the economic inequalities that they suffer, and from the veteran and like PTSD and the veterans' affairs that fuck them over. But right. in this instance, like you said, the juxtaposition of. Showing this life before that's like supposed to be terrible, like he's terrible. miserable, boring, are, miserable. right? Boring, boring is really I a mean, big basis that he keeps pushing in the second episode. Yes. I live with my nagging <clears throat> ass grandma, so I need to go to a foreign country. <laughs> Who's taking care of the grandma on? now? She was probably the only yeah. person she had, that's why he's probably living with her. And he fucking takes off, and now she's fucked. What is she doing now? Probably harder for her, exactly, only to become another grunt in the eyes of the of the fucking elitist dude like he's the, the last shield he's the last shield of defense in this obscure ambiguous satellite that's been launched in the air uh, are there weapons exactly. we're gonna find out so after we, it's established that they got <laughs> that this bishop guy uber now as he's named is a piece of shit he doesn't deserve <laughs> anything they hop out of the plane or the they do a helo jump they're in yeah. And yeah. And they uh purposely have to show these like very just like stylized crowd shots and stylized shots. And it really made me think of like the last episode when we were talking about the the coalition between like the Pentagon and Hollywood and in terms of oh, yeah. the funding that they get to show these uh specific images and like I was thinking of like how Jack Ryan's been in or John Krasinski in interviews, he's talked about how like the Coast Guard really let them fly in the helicopter. Yeah, I didn't know, think we from, were going to get picked up. Yeah, and he's like, I sent a picture to my brothers, and I was like, Hey, what are you doing today? <laughs> you know, like, you know, and then we'll we'll get into that a little bit after this recap too of John Krasinski's background of and why he's even in this show, which I totally. thought was really interesting. But, but that, uh, I, th- I thought that part was interesting because like now yeah. I'm just noticing like this shot specifically of the machinery that they're using the aircrafts the, oh yeah the guns, of course the just everything that they use the, the fun tools. jumps so they throw the uh, boat it, out yeah or go ahead no go ahead go ahead go ahead so they the boat is parachuted out of that carrier then they all jump out um and uh, it gets fucked up was, they have to fix it hilarious that it's already fucked up yeah when it lands it's like so you didn't check it before it's already got this hole you just threw it in the water. Not only that, you didn't cover your electronics with some sort of tarp, you know, wet resist. I don't know. Just anything to keep them from getting wet if you're throwing it thousands of feet from the air into the ocean. Like, what do you mean? They're probably waterproof or something, right? No. They got onto the boat and they, the one guy, Disco or whatever his name is, was looking at the communications equipment. He's like, damn, the water jammed. <laughs> He's like, really? You I didn't catch that. About that? 
<laughs> See, more laziness in writing. Okay, <laughs> that's that's going to be pivotal in further along. In you're the right. You're right. I'm remembering. I thought that, that the com- the lack of comms was a choice. I didn't realize it was. A, no, the lack yeah. of comms was literally an error on their dumbass parts of not covering <laughs> them. When they're gonna slam into the ocean, yeah. Like. So, so then when that happens, he he has to fix the boat. He fixes it. Then he goes like, "Can I be called Black Mama now?" He's like, "We'll upgrade you to Uber Deluxe." Uber Deluxe. <laughs> That's their comedic relief of the episode for you. But I just thought I it was like. funny more too of like when they're starting to strap up their guns and like how sick they're trying to look, like getting ready for yeah, the yeah, match. Just like cocking shit. Like I get that it's supposed to look cool and all, but it's just like it's just so blatantly obvious that this is just propaganda more for the military. We know how what fucking showing. cool it looks. Yeah, like they're ready exactly. to come turn heads, pretty much. And, and like I get from, the allure of like spy shit. Like I, I like James Bond movies, but James Bond isn't like directly pushing this agenda that is actually happening in the real world, you know, and like repurposing it for this fiction show and then trying to paint all these characters out to look cool. Like it's just James Bond is cool for a spy movie because it's just he's cool. It's stylized. It's not direct propaganda. Whereas this seems exactly. like it's almost scripted from real life. But like through the worldview of the CIA. So strange. Um, and then after the scene with that little squad, with the death squad that arrives in Venezuela, just like over their airs, just out of nowhere, you know, get to jump into their ocean and in, basically invade their jungle without notifying the country. Yeah. I thought that was interesting too. Oh, of course. Like, the more of what no they do. Jurisdiction. <laughs> but they're cool, dude. The CIA is the rebels of the military so, arm. And then, then it goes back to uh, Jack and Greer. This is after Greer's had his heart attack episode and Jack is almost yeah. assassinated. They're listening in on Reyes and make a, uh, an announcement about um, the... And, you know, Jack is obviously in his feelings uh, and just saying, indicating, like, I can't believe people are buying this bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Because, well, know. because Reyes is pinning the FAL which is like a leftist movement in or FLA or F- something. It's, I think it's one of those. Yeah. It's a leftist movement apparently in, in Venezuela La- in right Venezuela now. Venezuela specifically. Yeah. And, uh, he, they're pinning it on these, those army soldiers that we saw in the last episode that they captured in the jungle and forced them to sign a sort of, uh, declaration that they had killed Senator Moreno. And after that, they go to meet, uh, Mike November, who indicates, I thought this was interesting, this piece of dialogue where he was like, Jack asked him, like, oh, I thought, you know, we weren't supposed to be on this case or something like that, or or something to do with jurisdiction in Venezuela specifically. And Mike goes, oh, oh yeah. I just ignored that memo. Yeah, as far as I'm it. concerned, I never received that memo. Yeah, and it's like, are you kidding me, dude? <laughs> you guys just run you guys ra- are like supposed to be the most resourceful, analytical people out there, and you're just ignoring memos that will be to the detriment of the country you're. And isn't the like, whole military thing about falling in line and listening to your superiors? Exactly. Yeah. You just have these guys running renegade because it's in the name of democracy and freedom. And basically, at this point, for Jack, it's revenge. I don't think he even gives a fuck about the, like, military arms. I mean, the weapons that are coming into Venezuela. I think that's, like, completely secondary for him at this point. He's just he's just straight up trying to get a revenge for Moreno. He's just trying to get raised. That's it. It's just yeah, revenge. He's trying and to get he, even. 
they make that very clear in this episode that that is Jack's prerogative. Oh yeah, for sure. Because Greer's have- noticing it, or he's like, "You're you're a little too close to this right now, man." Exactly. And Mike has that private conversation with Greer where he indicates, "A is Jack." Uh, capable of taking on this mission without getting too attached to or getting too personal. Yeah, because they're even they're picking up on it already. <laughs> this lunatic. He's been yeah, he's displaying behavior of <laughs> psychoticism that is just like, <laughs> dude, this guy needs to stop. He's traumatized. Like he needs to fucking get some help. Now this yeah. is more to my theory too, Stop because him in the field. because because the fact that the CAA and just military is all about falling in order and listening to your superiors, it's adding more to my belief that all this is fabrication of Jack Ryan's mind, and he's just having a mental episode after his <laughs> after season one, and everyone is just fabrications of his own sure. psyche. I could see that now. Yeah, because he's he's not listening to anybody, which we'll see later. He even goes up further and doesn't listen to anybody and almost compromises the mission. So then... um, So then we cut to... Some uh, some, um, uh, intelligence that uh, apparently... Some information that apparently there's like a... I don't understand necessarily what he finds out about the containers that are off in this area in the jungle that he's supposed to be rendezvousing to. Hey, you just know? I think that they just know that this specific part is taking in cargo. Oh, and okay, it's coming support. from it's coming from like yeah a boat that they've been following or something on one of the main uh, rivers that runs through Venezuela. The yeah, Okinawa, Okinawa or something like that. Um, but anyway, they, he indicates to the team that he's going to be meeting up with the, with the other guys that he's brought over, which is Bishop and the guys that are on the boat. And Jack Ryan tells him, well, I'm going to go with you, you know? And that's when Mike is asking, oh, well, you know, is he fit for it and whatnot? And so Greer lets him decide. And Mike is like, yeah, he's good to go. Uh, so you're just going to let this traumatized man wander through the forest <laughs> to look through shipping containers without any jurisdiction and with a group of uh, militia that are off just the books over from America. So off the books, yeah. Uh, basically, what death squads do, mm-hmm. as I must remind people. Um, and then, as they go to meet this team, they cut to uh, the introduction of Gloria Bonande, who is the, um, the I guess the the revolutionary of the the hero person to in the Venezuela. Story. Yeah, yeah, I guess the hero of the story. yeah the protagonist, if you will. So, what were your um, thoughts on her? So, I thought it was she was kind of she reminded me a lot of like uh, Elizabeth worn now that i've seen her more in the media like elizabeth warren specifically like the way she speaks to people it's very like vague and it's very appealing to very base sort of emotions like even when she talks to the crowd that's supposed to be in support of her she never she doesn't really say anything she doesn't have she doesn't say any proposals she's also coming on a very personal level too because her whole basis for running is because her husband was was gone, has gone missing. Well, he hasn't been yes. confirmed killed. Or, or true, she, yes, has gone missing. Yeah. And she suspects, too, that... Uh, Ray has had something to do with it. As well. So it seems like that's her only motivation for running. And uh, the fact that, like, they're using her to as being this, like, very grassroots person, it just, like, it doesn't make sense given the context that 
again, she's like a, this vengeful person introduced as like a husband has gone missing. So that's her central point, her contention for running against this person. And also the fact that like, again, she was very vague in what she is attempting to offer the people of her country. And I don't, she didn't say any proposal in that entire speech that she gives uh, when she first comes out. Uh, so she's introduced in a way that I think is very like maternalistic. That's well, they great. they treat her like she's a saint. Like I was just noticing Absolutely. too the spot the stencils in the background. Like there's a Gandhi stencil in that scene when she's coming to the compound where she's giving gonna give that speech, and it's just doing this terrible dizzying pan around up the stairs following her, which I thought was terrible yes. filmmaking. That's another conversation. Um, and then they just like you know, all these people are like, oh, oh my, God. like she's a fucking like crazy saint. Like the people who wrote this show, do they not know what it looks like when people are actually in support of someone in a genuine totally. way? They're like, they were like, oh, Gloria, <laughs> like full hysterics and like people and in full she, rooms, like, like two people trying to touch her. Yeah, and the selfie she does, like yeah. you know, all that stuff, reminds me of like Elizabeth Warren and like yeah, yeah. people that are in office now trying to run and like. I mean, so she gave can, me more Hillary vibes with the trying to be like true youth. Yeah. Well, both of them, yeah, I think, like both of them combined, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I think that um, what was really interesting was that when she comes out for her speech the people that are in there are shouting a very popular slogan uh, that is uh, El Pueblo Unido jamás será, será vencido, which means the people united will never be defeated. And they're, you know, chanting this over and over, which is like a very popular slogan. That was originated in Chile at the time of Salvador Allende's presidency, and that uh, was composed by a guy named Sergio Ortega, mm-hmm. who wrote it specifically for that campaign, encompassing the movement and what that meant and right. what Allende's presidency meant. And I think it's so interesting that they put this in the show that is supposed to glorify specifically the CIA, who worked in tandem with Pinochet to overthrow D- dismantling this him. Yeah. And it's like you're putting this song in the show to make it seem like this, per- like we're still we're on the know, side of good. We support revol- people's yeah, revolutions here. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're yeah. really part of the community. We are the people who will never be defeated. Because I, I mean, like it was- a little bit of a spoiler alert too. You, you, I, I've seen like uh, just some stuff of like future episodes. The Greer and all of them start to like fully back and support her, and they're doing all this like other CIA involvement to get her to basically win later in the season too. And that makes so much sense. Given of course, the fact that like it's it's almost it's apolitical in a way that or ahistorical. I'm sorry, uh, apolitical in the sense that they aren't willing to move forward past the idea that this is like the base sort of ideology that they're going to spring from. Like, they don't move forward from any of that. That's why it's so vague, and they can just use that to bank off of the memory of it or right. what it's supposed to represent. Yeah, It's like they can, they can uh, monetize the vagueness of it and represent this sort of liberal ideology when in reality it's like this show is glorifying. The people that... The people, the yeah, the CIA who try to take down that exact same like quote and establishment that were chanting that quote. Yeah, they 
the people who sought to uh, to make that idea toxic, right? <laughs> yeah, to, to <laughs> now they're now they're communism it, or like, or yeah, and like again, offering these vagaries to people that when you see that slogan used in a show like this, you're not going to get the wider context of why it was used for that specific era and why it it, it has such popular. Um, resonance demand and resonance in our community in Latin American in the Latin American community mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting that they brought that. Up I mean, it's all very interesting, her. right? Just the way that this totally. show has seemed together, all these nuances that they, the CIA has thrown in to kind of twist to make it. And we say CIA like we know that the show has been written by them. I mean, we don't. It hasn't. But it, I mean, like it's very, very obvious. And from like what we've been kind of researching about the show with like. In terms of how they kind of got the characters, the basis for just just the premise for the show, like the showrunners and John Krasinski actually spent time at the fucking CIA and kind of like tailored the characters that are in the show towards what the CIA wanted too. Like there's this quote I can't remember what it was that Jack said, but he's like, "How do you want your? How do you want you to the CIA to be portrayed or something like that too?" Like he's literally giving it in the hands of them, like. There's no creativity to make this cool spy thriller, no matter what John Krasinski will go out and say about. He said, "I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big spy nerd. I love spies. Like they make a fucking cooler spy movie. Like no one wants to hire this guy as an action guy because like, absolutely, he's not convincing in an action way. He's just John. He's just fucking Jim from John, The Office. Jim from The Office. Yeah, who's moved on from pushing paper at Langley to. It's just like all the comedic relief in the show is just so fucking lame, and it's just he's just banking on that like. Mm, like oh, whoa like mm, funny weird like exactly. i'm gonna observe it but you know what i don't support it <laughs> okay let's get it done it's just so, so stupid meet, after we meet gloria we go back to the jungle wait wait i just want to there's some parts that we're glossing over too oh wait what what parts it was the with reyes and ubari having their conversation together oh, yes that too. to where we find out that reyes basically knows all about the bugging of ubari and then they get this this conversation of this weird anecdote that Ubari starts telling Reyes about how when they were kids, they stole candy, and Reyes made or Ubari stole the candy, and Reyes made him give it back to all the people in Venezuela, I guess, in that little village they were living in. And he goes on. Ubari goes on to say, like, Ven- used to say Venezuela as our family, and you always felt responsible for it, for Venezuela. And there's there's this this cut like it's trying to build suspense by cutting both of them in the conversation, kind of getting closer and tighter on their faces. And then it ends with that. It's like the, yes, uh, he says well, like, no, he says that quote with, with that <clears throat> hand. It just like, he slams his hand on it to make. It yeah, 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 yeah. He adds that to add drama to it. Desk. And then he, and then all that Reyes says is yes. Yes, I know. <laughs> and then it just cuts back to cuts to the glory. All day part. We just oh, talked man. about. But it's like, what were they? What were they trying to say there? What the fuck? <laughs> what was that interaction? Like, is it like dynamic? Is very. Strange. It makes no sense. That conversation made no sense, and we'll we'll tie this episode up with another interaction like that too. But I just thought that that was like, what? <laughs> Who's writing this show? God, yeah. it hurts. It's, it, it's so like demanding to watch this no, show. They have no idea how what suspense really looks like, or, or not like, even that. But like, what? Latin American people think what Venezuelan people might 
think of each other or like how they might interact with each other like it's so no like, not i mean that's not this level it's just like a that. surface level all around but they're trying to get it, this it, like I, okay, like i I, I'm, I support you but i don't support you like they're trying to get this like underlining message that ubari is trying to tell him by of giving course. him this story but it doesn't make it makes no sense like what is he trying to say that he doesn't do that now and like I don't know. It, it just no it just context. fell flat. They, it just falls very flat. Suffer from no context. This show. <laughs> We're about to get to a really good, my probably the best quote of the entire show thus so, far. So this, let's. So then we come back <laughs> to Jack and Greer, or in the car heading to the jungle. Um, and about to meet on the way to Bishop the jungle, and all them. We are, and we are introduced to some more comedic relief uh, when. They are talking about mosquitoes, uh, and Jack Ryan indicates <laughs> that he's getting bit up by a bunch of mosquitoes, and that he hates, you know, the 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 air there or the like, the atmosphere there because of that fact. And Greer indicates, oh, you know, I don't get bit by mosquitoes. That yeah, I don't get bit. They don't fuck with me. And Jack says, why? And Greer indicates that he. Grew up in Louisiana, indicating that because he grew up there, mosquitoes don't bite him. And Jack says, I thought you grew up in Oklahoma, you know, or whatever, wherever. And Greer says, Wonder Boy, are you that gullible that you're going to believe that? And Jack's like, I don't understand what's happening right now. <laughs> uh, and then Greer indicates that mosquitoes don't bite him. No, you're messing it. He's like... You're you're botching the way that he, the delivery on the way that because <laughs> the mean, conversation he's like the delivery yeah because it's the that's what makes it so funny because of the writing of the show <laughs> yeah, that's what made it so funny <laughs> he's like yeah they don't fuck with me because they know the truth and Jack's like what oh, he's more puzzled because his his imaginary friend is lashing out against him he he didn't write this dialogue and he's like yeah they don't fuck with me because they know the truth and he's like oh what's the truth I buy back I'm pretty sure he gives him another little, little wink or something but. Why do you think Greer's not <laughs> just driving? Cut. <laughs> just cut to the militia dudes getting there, or the fucking black ops guys getting there. And that was it. That was like, I'm <laughs> back. That's supposed to be. I'm back, baby. Cut. I don't know. Something about it was really weird. The whole con- that that he would say that, and that they would sh- like. They had to take several takes for that quote, and they're like, all right, that's the one. They know the truth. I want to say almost like that was ad-libbed. That's how cringy and terrible that line was. Absolutely. And then they meet up uh, with the the death squad that has just arrived. The Punisher squad. The Punisher squad, yeah. With Disco, Coyote, and Uber. Uber Duber, as he's now named. (laughs) Uber Deluxe. Um, And that's when we find out, oh, yeah, they do know these people. And Matisse indicates to Ryan, oh, you're the doctor of economics. Huh? You're the professor. Huh? Yeah, he's and, like, I thought you were going to help me with my stocks or something. Yeah, <laughs> immediately start talking about stocks. Looking at the NASDAQ. Great, dude. Cool. We know where your fucking priorities lie. All right. <clears throat> and the boatman takes them down the river to where the cargo shipment or harbor is supposed to be. Uh, they park some ways from it and uh, they leave out. Uber. They leave Uber on the with ship the boat. or on the boat to you know get them out of a out of a sticky situation if sticky, needed. Exactly, and the rest of them proceed to go to the cargo containers to try and see what's in them. <laughs> uh, along the way, they almost get caught in very. I mean, just like 
they're in the obvious just spotlights uh, in some points, which like I thought was really funny. Trucks are passing by, literally shining their lights in their directions and don't see them, which I thought was funny. But uh, So they proceed to the containers. Uh, they almost get caught again. And well, Jack finds... Jack, so they're, they're breaking Jack open the... some lock uh, cutters or whatever. Yeah, he breaks in in one of the containers. They're trying to. They're basically searching for n- nuclear weapons or weapons WMDs, uh, per usual. Uh, the first one that they go into that they got the intel on was the one that they they break into first, and they come to find out it's drilling, it's mining tools, mining machinery. Um, Batista, bad intel. Let's bounce. And Jack, you know, he's got that feeling, dude. He's got that rage. He's got that Reyes boner. He's he's got his dick is pointing north somewhere, and he's gonna find out. So they're ready to bounce. They think they have bad intel, no weapons. He's like, nah, fuck that shit. And goes and renegade, full renegade. Um, so this is also more, you know, val- validation for it being in his head because four armed military men can't stop him. Um, so he just run- trounces along, opens up another uh, container, finds some, some, some sort of uranium, something like that. No, he that. finds nitrate, ammonium nitrate. There you go. Something, something like Yeah. And uh, who do we see that gets him, that busts him? Lord Emotep himself. What Again, he's he's con- he's connected somehow. Uh, they catch him. Well, he's. Do you think Emotep's about to fucking smoke Jack? But then Matisse saves him. Uh, they start they start questioning him. Uh, he's not gonna want to talk. Um, and of course, the fucking pimped up fucking Punisher squad. That coyote's like, let's smoke this motherfucker and bounce. Like they're just ready to kill, dude. Like any excuse they can get. He's just like, well, <laughs> Which I don't. They started off the mission with Matisse telling them only fire unless fired upon. <laughs> yeah, they just uh, want to like, shoot some dude. <laughs> in and out only for intel, nothing else. Like yeah, you know, Greer makes this specifically clear because he's supposed to be running this mission apparently. And the first thing they say is, "Let's just smoke this dude right now." And, off of <laughs> and then you know? he's—they don't smoke him. They chop his trigger finger off. Greer Which, does oh, actually. Again, I'm sorry, I gotta mention Jack Ryan does mention we don't care kill unarmed prisoners. Right, right, right. He does say Which that. Is absolutely untrue. <laughs> and I would guarantee if this fucking squad was. Without, are, I mean, without a doubt, they have existed and are still out there running around. Yeah, have yeah. fucking killed these people just because they oh, yeah. get, they got bad intel <laughs> and are acting upon it. And we're we're caught. made. Yeah, exactly. That's that's it. They were made, and it's like, damn. Well, guess we got to kill them. Guess he can't. Nobody's got to know. No uh, so they chop his you. finger off. He doesn't know anything. Rather, he doesn't say anything. Yeah. Um. And then what else happens? I mean, Jack's alarmed. They start the they uh okay, go ahead. Can we pause? Yeah. Okay, I need to pee, I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Caesar is taking the piss while I'm talking about Jack Ryan. Um, listeners, I just wanna let you know I actually do think it's a good show. I really enjoy the suspense and drama that's being built around these characters. And I do love that it is centralized in Latin America because I don't see that portrayal of Latin culture enough in media. So, um, shout out to Jack Ryan, shout out to the whole crew, shout out to Tom Clancy, shout out to the government, shout out to America, shout out to the people of America. 
Uh, shouts out to me because I like the show and I'm introducing you guys to the show. Shouts out to Caesar um, because, you know, he plays the part of the bad guy who says he doesn't like the show and I have to buy, play into that. But, uh, yeah, I really like the show anyway. So hope you're listening and still enjoying the Jack Ryan report as we are out here doing the research for you, bringing up the stars on Amazon for that show. So make sure you leave a like on that show and on this podcast, too, because it's going to be pretty fucking epic as we go along. I like Matisse. He's my favorite character. Bishop, I really am drawn to, too. Um, Coyote, the guy who says, let's smoke this motherfucker. Uh, he's just a fucking badass, and I wish he was like my father. Um, who else is there? Uh, Disco's cool. He doesn't say much in this episode, but I did think he was fucking cool too because he's Tony Alva from Lords of Dogtown. So, yeah. Um, where were we? Caesar? I don't know. Where, where were we? Where were we? Uh, do you want me to play back over? Oh, we were back at the uh, river. Or, no, at the cargo ship. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, they, so, the Emotep, they, I don't know, somehow they get made and now the shootout ensues. They're fucking firing. It's really cheap production value that's getting pushed in this episode because the guns and look cheap whole, and like oh well, <clears throat> choreography it, looks whack. It really is, and I thought it was so strange that uh, Mister Uber Duber himself, Uber Duber Deluxe, decides to leave and abandon the boat because he sees flashlights on the horizon or like over the yeah. hills, and he leaves the boat for some reason. No context explained. It's just like, was his whole intention of <laughs> to leave the to boat in the first place? Them up along the road or go to where they were or something. But anyway, he follows the trail that you know the team had just gone on. While the team is coming back to the boat, this guy is going the opposite direction. So uh, the group meets up with gunfire, like you said, and uh, I love that part fire. too. Uh, Greer's kind of getting; he is having like another another episode. And Jack comes and saves him and just, like, one hands of AR-15 or whatever the fuck they're rolling with and, like, yeah, with kills the hand. guy. Yeah, just, like, yeah. like Rambo style. I, I was like, dude, they God. They did not uh, show anyone else killing anyone. Oh, you're right. Him. Interesting. That was – he was the only one that they showed specifically shooting uh, targets in front of him with – one hand, like you right. said, just hol- holstering a fucking so then you know semi-automatic. Yeah, and then just yeah, get to the boat. They get to the boat. Bishop is off the boat because he's trying to find them or meet. For I don't. Some we don't know. Reason we don't know. Yeah, he left. He panicked. I guess. Uh, and they get on the boat and they're like, "Let's go get it, hit it!" And uh, they you just know, dip. He's not there. So Matisse goes and he goes to the engine. And he's like, "Well." We're just going to have to come back for him. And they take off, leaving their, their friend behind, Bishop, in the forest. Yeah. Or the jungle, I should say. Um, and then... And then the uh, closing scene, it, I think it's either they show Gloria Bonalde at one point. It but, is the closing scene. But then they cut to Reyes calling in Ubari, and he's asking him, does she have a chance of winning? And then it just ends. When did they have that conversation earlier in this episode about Gloria Bolnaldea at all? Like, I get that he's watching shit, but what is Ubari? He had it with his security agent or whatever, because that guy, oh, which I forgot to mention, the security guy was present at the Bonaldea rally. 
uh, which I thought was interesting too, because it's like, if this guy's head of security, <laughs> wouldn't everybody know who he is? All right. And the fact that he is so apparent in the crowd, you know, it's like, they're going to know they have operatives there. And I don't know. I, th- I just thought that was really funny. And he specifically has to report to uh, raise what he saw. It's like, you don't have underlings to do that for you to participate. It's all bad too. And this is the way that it just like, they just, they end with that. They should have end with them in this, the boat. And like there you could start um, the, the next episode. Instead they jump they jump to this other thing that's going on in the show yeah, that so like in the in the <laughs> final scenes it's basically Bonalde at home, I think. And she is uh tucking in her kids or something, and uh basically the police show up to her house, uh and it's like it looks like a huge military armored uh you know. Does that happen at the end of this episode? Yeah. And Are you sure? Goes, I don't think that happens in this episode. Because I remember it just ending with, does she have a chance of winning? And then just like, that's it. Oh, shit. Man. Maybe I think you're a little ahead, actually. I'm dipping a little ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, because yeah, it was I, just I, so I, sh- it was just so right. abrupt to me. I was like, what? <laughs> okay. Yes. Because right. like, why are you? It's, it's just like, okay, maybe it doesn't really make sense if you really sit and like recap the episode. We're doing a really like third world ballers job of it. But just the way that it's stacked together for you to just kind of remember shit. Like they have this whole shootout, this whole other mission that they're trying to solve. And then you cut to the like tension that the political tension between Reyes and Bonalde. Like it's just, it's just stacked together so poorly. And I think it's just hilarious. That's what I find most hilarious is how serious, how serious this show takes it. And for how poorly it's actually put together. For a show that's supposed to be about politics, there's not a lot of politics in there. At least in terms of like what politics. They, they're is, apolitical, like dude. What, yeah, apparently, I, I guess according to Jack Ryan himself, uh, I think the most for the most part, the show represents just like what these individuals specifically want to see themselves as, and like. They're far from moved because if you're going to view them as apolitical as John Krasinski sees them, then it like it makes sense that there was there would be no politics involved in these shows or like actual things that deal with policy and and issues that surround people in these countries. It just all deals again with very surface level emotions in terms of violence, reaction, and yeah, it's all reaction anger. and violence. Yeah. And it's just, mm, just it, that's I mean, what makes it so much more propagandic than, like, I don't know, just, like, other shows that deal with the military in a certain way that also conveys, like, the other side to it, which is very authoritative. And, you know, like, the CIA in its existence is not a good organization. No. Not a good entity. It does no good on this planet dude you it need to be thanking them every day according to jo- to john krasinski you thanking them thanking them every day <laughs> for what you should for not what? you should not only cherish them but you should be thanking them every day that's a direct quote from john he literally thinks that these people are saving us from a 9-11 <laughs> every single day <laughs> <laughs> no, 
nothing in the world has even come close to a 9-11. And secondly, 9-11 happened. So if the CIA is so fucking goddamn smart and operative, where was the intel on that? If they're so, if the if they're these defenders of the world that we need to be thanking, like what if you're, if we're worried if we need them because we're worried about having another catastrophe? Let's just remind ourselves that a catastrophe did fucking happen on American soil and was like pretty well known about before it even happened. So thank them exactly. for that. It's just so ridiculous that, like, yeah, that's that's how they see themselves. They want to see themselves portrayed in this way so much that they are willing to degrade themselves to the <laughs> to the image that, like, they want degrade. their fanboys to see them as. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, there's this great quote that I was reading today about Tom Clancy specifically. Uh, who is the creator of Jack Ryan and a bunch of other novels that have to deal with like the sort of 80s hysteria about uh, uh, not only communism, but also just like uh, the sort of working class movement in general and was prevalent during the Reagan era uh, and kind of popularized the military, the, the military during the Reagan era, era to reestablish them after the Vietnam War had, you know, disgraced the military and their name. And um, Tom Clancy sort of existed to make novels about the military and about this sort of uh, spy thrillers, sort of covert operations mm-hmm. into this valorization. And uh, this article talks about uh, so soon after Clancy's death, uh, the Washington Post published an appreciation entitled How Tom Clancy Made the Military Cool Again. How long Written has he been by, dead for? Uh, well, he died in 2013. Oh, so not that long ago. Not that long ago. So you could see the the sort – and this was like – he died right before I think they were making that new movie with Chris Pine that you were telling me about. You mean um, Jack Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Jack Ryan move, basically, which is based Shadow off Recruit. of unpublished writings, I think. That Apparently had. that movie, too, yeah, was it was one of the few that wasn't supported by the CA or government at all. Oh, interesting. But I know they definitely seek the approval of them. Yeah, well, it's way. you like, know why? It's because to, it's well, because like it is, it's because what we talked about last week of the portrayal of ex-members of government. You know, like there's I guess there's exactly. a scene in there where like. There's there's this ex CIA guy who's like a drunkard and he's like gambling his life away and like they weren't down with that or like Jack Ryan had to pull him back out of like the trenches of despair and the CIA was like there no one ever comes out despaired everyone comes out fine you're fine you're adjusted you're not going to be humanized because exactly. you're better and I guess that was one of the reasons why they didn't support the original Jack Ryan shadow recruit. I mean yeah in this same quote they talks about how like his stories helped the rest of society understand and imagine Ooh. the world of spooks and soldiers. Uh, and perhaps not surprisingly, those who served or aspired to serve in the military found those stories to be especially gratifying because Clancy depicted American soldiers and would be soldiers precisely as they wished to see themselves. Of course. So it's really important that, to know to note as well that Clancy never served 
himself, much like Reagan, who never served <coughs> himself. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys who don't serve in the military seek to glorify it the most yeah. and monetize it, monetize off of it the most, which is interesting because they would never, they would never send themselves and put themselves in those positions, but they no. are willing to imagine those folks who do that work as someone who like is this hero who is this I mean, sort it's of like they, mythic Greek. It's like they know, never left the child uh, fantasy of like Odyssean. it's never they never played the child fantasy of playing make believe too, and now this is just a more extreme version. And I think yeah. that the ramifications of the ha- world is their playground. Exactly, now. yeah. And then just portraying these establishments. I don't think they, it goes so beyond most of these actors' heads of what they're actually doing by creating these likable, you know, almost relatable CIA operative characters too. So I don't think that's even on their fucking radar for that shit. No, I mean, going back to like the endorsements that we were talking about earlier, we, the, these celebrities <coughs> are so out of touch. Exactly. Real that, world yes. circumstances and what everybody's going through in general that their views are going to be so twisted. Like, Skew, John skewed. Krasinski went from making movies about fracking and about the dangers of fracking and how that disrupts an, uh, uh, an environment and goes on this on the global scale global scale of climate change to fucking shows about the CIA and glorifying mm. them. He's, a he's been activated. Years, his MK yeah, Ultra. He's a sleeper cell. Yeah, his MK Ultra has but that's, just I in. find that so interesting because like again, like we were talking about earlier, John Krasinski comes from a military background. He comes from a military family. Right. This is pivotal to his identity which he glorifies in, and he has repeated in interviews where he talks about going to Langley and going to the CIA headquarters and meeting POC workers in the CIA, which makes it clear that they're apolitical (laughs) and that they hold no bias and that they are so resourceful and that, again, like I was telling you earlier, apparently they go through uh, a tremendous amount of scrutiny about the missions they're going to undertake before they actually do them. Whereas in this show, Jack Ryan, he just gets a pass from a call to a dude he, he <laughs> is to a senator in the U.S. that tells him, whatever you need, Jack, you got it. Well, they're always trying to do the right thing, according or to John. Or November being like, I just ignored that memo, so you can do whatever you want. Yeah. It's like, cool, dude. So there's, yeah, that's that's what you're doing. That, there's the this is really making me... Just ex- I know the CIA has always been bad, but I feel like we should do a whole other episode after Jack Ryan just about the CIA to, to give a little more context Absolutely. of why this show is bad, pretty much. Because if they're the ones that are being glorified in the end, like I said earlier about the juxtaposition with the El Pueblo Unido, right. Masera Vencido, with the CIA, those are such clashing ideologies. It's like you can, you can't put that in there and think people are going to look at that and be like, oh, that's normal. Right. Yeah, you really believe that, huh? Yeah. Well, I think it's definitely necessary that we do a CIA episode soon. Totally. After this, like, ugh. We should do it, like, mid-season, too, so that way it's still kind of relevant to what we're going to continue to talk about for this Jack Ryan report. Going to have to cleanse ourselves. Operation complete for this week, dude. Well, there you have it. There's episode four, or excuse me, three 
of Jack Ryan. The mosquito episode is what I like to call it. The truth episode. <laughs> I buy back. The buy back. I buy back. He must have thought that was so cool. But everyone thinks they're cool in this show. So Yeah, they're there all you warriors go. of God in this show. Warriors of God. And they pray for her, them. Yeah. <laughs> Brainwash puppet, you were sent. We are all brainwashed puppets sent by the CIA to tell you to C- review this show. The CIA are the biggest cyber bullies. Absolutely, they are. <laughs> they def- they they came up with the fucking. They define. They define cyber bullying. Literally, cyber bullying. <laughs> Edward Snowden, such a cyber bully. <laughs> Shouts out to our cyber bully, Edward Snowden. Yeah. Edward Snowden is our fifth younger brother who cyberbullied the CIA, uh-huh. who's our sixth oldest brother. And the CIA knew about it, but did they say anything? No, they thought it was funny. I thought it was funny, okay? Yeah, Edward, uh-huh. Sto- yeah, Edward Snowden knew all the data they were collected. Did he say anything? No, he thought it was funny. <laughs> oh, but he got written up. He got asylum in Russia. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. I'm so cool. <laughs> I'm like the coolest guy. <laughs> Oh, well, there you go. This week was pretty eventful. I'm excited. Uh, we didn't get to talk about yeah, Death so Stranding, now- but I just started playing that game, so I don't have much to say just yet. So we will get into that we'll and more next then. week. Shut up. I'm fucking talking. <laughs> Anyways, this is over. This podcast is over. Thank you for listening, listeners. If you are listening to this, we're DJing at the Virgil the day before Thanksgiving, so roll on through there. Uh, nine to close with your boys and Caesar. You will be streaming from Europe, so we'll get the Europe report next week. Yes, excited you will. for that. We'll see everything that's happening over there. Visit some brothels, um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> that'll be nice to hear your update on that. Thank you, listeners. We will see y'all next week. Um, anything else, Caesar? Uh. No, no, that is a no. Wait, what? I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> except for solidarity with fucking Bolivia still, because yes. shit's getting even worse over there, it seems. But um, We'll get into that next uh, week, too. We'll, we'll get an update on that next time. But anyway, solidarity goes out to them. And also, just stay away from the cyber bullies, you know. <laughs> you don't need them in your life. Stay away from the cyber bullies, also known as the CIA. <laughs> Just and don't stay fucking get married. Don't have any kids. Don't yeah, do don't it. Adopt. Should we just remind the listeners one more time with what um, Javelin Melody had to say about life in this let current state? Know. We'll let them know and we'll close the out. most important advice, I think. I think you'll hear all of... Tw- as 2019 you know, comes to an end, I think we need people like Javelin Melody letting us know what the fuck's up. To keep it real. To keep it one thousand to keep it a band so uh <laughs> i will leave you listeners with this thank you for listening again ladies and gentlemen i just i'm so i'm just so sick and tired of it like there's so many people in this world who don't deserve to get married because they don't fucking deserve to get married they don't deserve to fucking start a family they don't the deserve to raise image. any human being they don't deserve to take care of any human being but themselves. Don't get married. Don't adopt a child. Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> and just stay single. Don't fucking get married. 
the only human being you should take care of is yourself because you suck. You're terrible. You're just such a fucking disappointment. <laughs> I don't know why some people get married when they can't even do it. <sighs> Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> oh, the fuck happened right here? Okay.